Welcome to On Culture. On this podcast, we talk about culture and faith and the world and our place in it. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work and explore all of our content on our website, theembassy.substack.com. Here's Mike. All right, and we're back. Welcome to another episode of On Culture. On Culture is the podcast of The Embassy. You can find that at theembassy.substack.com. I am joined this morning by Susan James, uh, who uh, is a frequent uh, participant in On Culture. How are you doing this morning? Good, thank you. Good morning. Yeah, we just actually had a wonderful few minutes um, beginning this podcast uh, before I realized... When I pressed record, it didn't actually start recording. Uh, and so we're starting again. Uh, so all we can do is it's the cyclical nature of uh, the of the reality that we're talking about that we're, we're, we're going to seem to repeat ourselves. Yeah, it's actually getting old, right? <laughs> it's actually getting old. This is we're demonstrating. There's, yep. Uh, where's that stupid button? Oh, there it is. Well, it's not working. Technology. Yeah. Technology. Uh Anyway, so uh, we're beginning again, uh, and you know it's just a darn shame because that first yeah. first few minutes was just brilliant. It was. I you have know, to admit, was, I can't promise yeah, now. It's super you know, brilliant. No, it's probably <laughs> going to be downhill from here. Yep. Um, so uh, we're talking this uh, this week about um, turning into your parents is sort of the is sort of the headline and sort of the meme. It's this, but it's, it's we start with this universal phenomenon of uh being a part of something that happens to everyone and yet being surprised that we're a part of something that happens to everyone uh uh and um you know i asked i'll, I'll ask you know i'll ask you again because we're recording now um, <laughs> That's okay. you, know, you hadn't heard you hadn't heard of the avid brothers right no uh, i had not but it was a brilliant song <laughs> yeah highly recommend it um and not just this song, but, you know, they are, um, they seem to be uh, a couple of young men. I don't even think they're that young. I mean, they're, huh. I don't know, they might be in their 40s now. But, uh, you know, these, these reflect well on the realities of, of, of life in a number of different uh, instances. But in this case, uh, whichever brother or brothers, I think maybe they write together, uh, are reflecting on this this phenomenon of growing old and uh the song um smithsonian is this uh i think wonderful expression of uh what it is to discover about yourself something that happens to everyone and yet be somehow surprised by it um you know it it, the song goes uh it opens call the smithsonian i made a discovery Life ain't forever, and lunch isn't free. Loved ones will break your heart, with or without you. Turns out we don't get to know everything. Hmm. And that's kind of the chorus. The first verse is, get the young scientist, tell him come quick. Must be the first man that ever seen this. Lines on my face, my teeth are not white, my eyes do not work, and my legs don't move right. And then back to the back to the chorus. And this this... This hey, yeah. look at this! What's going on? What's going on? When like we're surprised, you know the answer right. to what's going on, but you're still like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's um, 
why is that? I don't, I don't think this is the only thing, but it's like the thing that maybe people of a certain age, they do a certain age and you keep, it keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is this sense in which we're surprised by something that, I mean, intellectually, we're not surprised by it at all, but we're yeah. just surprised that somehow it's happening to us. Well, I think somehow we think we're the exception, you know, we don't want to think that, oh, you know, this is going to happen to me too. Um, we're more like um, egocentric, I guess, in that, um, you know, we're the exception to the rule. Everything is kind of about us. So I'm not one of them. I'm not out in the world. I am, it's going to happen differently until we get there. We're like, what the heck, you know, and we don't want to think that it can happen to us, you know, cause that might blow up um, our perception. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's this, I think that's this, and one of the central points I think I want to explore or trying to explore this sense in which it is an egocentric, um, you know, that's a, that's a good way of describing it, that this, it's, it's so much about me that somehow I don't like do the math and figure, obviously I'm going to grow old. Uh, and so when it happens, oh, there, you know, right. and yet somehow everyone else grows old, but I'm, and we can even laugh at somebody else right. growing old, right? We can laugh and, at one of our friends yeah. and it's somehow like, we're not part of the joke. We don't think, right. right? Well, I think that it brings me back to, I remember my mom saying, when she started, you know, when she retired and everything, she said, I still feel like I'm in my twenties, even though physically she's obviously not, you know, in her twenties, but she said, I still feel like the same person. And I think when we're young, we think when you're older, you're going to feel that old from the inside, but really you're just the Mm -hmm. same person, you know? So when we grow older and we're still feeling like the same person that we still feel 20 or whatever, not physically, obviously, but feel mm-hmm. like the same 20, one, have the same, some of the same desires and all mm-hmm. of that. Like we haven't grown old internally. We think that we're not old externally either. I don't know, you mm-hmm. know? And so I think that is kind of a shock to our system too. Like, oh, I'm seeing these lines on my face. I'm starting to look like my mother, but yet I still feel like I did when I was 25, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's a mm-hmm. little, Yeah. Yeah, I think that's in- that's interesting because I do think so ideally I'm growing as a person, I'm learning, I'm gaining wisdom and experience. Mm-hmm. So like my interior self, if you will, is hopefully on somewhat of an upward tra- trajectory. Exactly. And I feel like I'm, you know, I'm my 30-year-old self just better right. or more experienced or wiser. Mhm. And then at the same time, the, my the, my outward self, my physical self is like on this slow decline. Mm-hmm. That's, it seems like, and then that gap seems to widen, like, uh, right. you know, that, I, it, you know, the youth wasted on the young is, is, is one of the, uh, you know, it's a phrase that we hear is because, you know, now, now I know, right. and now I would do that, whatever. If I had this and now I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, so that's interesting. I do think there's a, like, who am I? How do I view myself as a person? And whether right. it's, you know, my 30-year-old self, you, you know, you don't have to put an age to it. Basically, 
the self I think of myself as usually, you know, a younger adult. Right. Right. Um, but then yet sometimes younger people treat especially elderly or older adults like they're not so much maybe wiser or, you yeah. know, gone through that process, you yeah. know? And so that's, that's happened how, to you. That's yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to, stra- well, and then and I had to straighten I, my kids out, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. well, that's part of this whole cyclical thing is that, um, you know, one of my, you know, I physically resemble my father because we're going to talk about the mm-hmm. just the universality of growing old and sort of the universality in some respects of turning into your parents. You know, so I physically resemble my father more than my brothers do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we all had a, just say we have a challenging relationship with uh, our father if, or not much of one or something, some combination of that. Uh, and so, that, you know, that's not a great thing. It's not a great association, at mm-hmm. least for me. And there are times when I'll, I'll, um, I'll catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror and just go almost, <gasps> you know, almost gasp. I mean, I don't really physically gasp, but right. there's a sense of crap, you know? Right. Uh, and, this this thing that I didn't want to happen that I was sure wouldn't happen mm-hmm. isn't I mean it isn't happening in a sense but it sort of is happening in right, a sense right to you, some degree you get a glimpse right? of that and then you start thinking oh if physically I start looking like him what's going on inside of me am I gonna you know I don't know yeah yeah and am I viewed the same way sure by my adult children I mean I don't think I'm viewed the same way but no. this is all this sense of um, there's a commonality between, there's a link between myself and my father that I didn't want to, that's obviously say that he's yes. my father, but I didn't want to think I was linked mm-hmm. because of my relationship. So, you know, you distance, you differentiate, you become your own person and then all of a sudden you start looking like it's like oh you know it's like yeah the movie. DNA kicks and, in right <laughs> the DNA kicks in and so there's this it's like part of I think why we don't recognize the universality let's just say of growing old is because we fear it right mm-hmm. like right it isn't just that I view myself as younger and I view myself as an exception and I'm egocentric it's also that. I don't want this thing to happen. Right. And I think also, you know, as, as far as the parent thing, you know, we tend to hyper-focus on the negative. So our parents, I mean, in my case, you know, um, you know, I would say I'd probably hyper-focus, especially mm-hmm. when I'm trying to improve myself and growth, you know, on some of mm-hmm. the negative things mm-hmm. in childhood, you know, so I can become more self-aware and grow in some areas, but there are a lot of really good things that came from my parents as well, you know, and we tend to dumb those down or minimize them. And maybe we just need to, you know, um, untangle those and think, okay, you know, there's some really good things I gained, but, you know, I can grow in these other areas as well. And I didn't even know that they were a thing. 
you know, mm-hmm. that I need to grow out of or be redeemed, I should say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's right. I think, and that's, I want to come back to that. That's sort of, okay. you know, the question that it's, it's okay. So I'm in a sense, I'm turning into my father uh, as we all sort of turn into our parents to some degree, but what version of me is turning into what version of him? Mm-hmm. That part is not universal. That part is, you know, I have a lot to say about that part. Uh, you know, what good things do I want to emulate and what mm-hmm. things do I want to avoid and how would I do that? And how can I have yeah. sort of have a clear eyed view of that? Uh, you know, obviously freaking out about it or denying it or whatever uh, is, is probably, you know, to ensure that some of the bad things are going to happen because I'm not, I'm not working at it, but uh, right. I do. That's the sort of sense in which, yes, this is universal. Yes. It happens to everyone. Yes. I'm going to grow old. But how am I going to grow old? What version mm-hmm. of old, you know, is that part is yeah. partly up to me. Yes, I'm going to grow to resemble my parents. But what version of me and what version of them, you know, what good things can I? Right. I think that there's a little bit more age. It's universal. We can't avoid it. But there's a lot of agency in how we approach it and handle it. Absolutely. Right? And it's hard work. It's hard work not yeah. to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, it's hard work to differ- differentiate between what, you know, what version I want to be and what version mm-hmm. I don't want to be and pull those apart. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I do think it's part of the fear, you know, it, obviously we, we, we live in a youth, you know, culture dominates, you know, the yes. cultural landscape, you know, for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, and it's been that way for, you know, for a long time. Um, and so part of that speaks to, this notion of, you know, growing old, is it growing out of touch or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that fear is exploited uh, in the memes that are out there uh, on the internet. And of course, you know, most of us are familiar with Dr. Rick and mm-hmm. the progressive insurance commercials um, yeah. where he's Brilliant. helping these. Yeah, that's really well done. Um, you know, these 30, whatever, you know, 31 year old, you know, adults buying their house for the first time who, because they bought this house have turned into basically their parents (laughs) and wearing their clothes and the expressions and, you know, (laughs) right. All this stuff, all this stuff that, you know, you can imagine some kind of culturally out of touch, right. Uh, with the world person, uh, which is often how we view older people, Mm -hmm. uh, would act. And, um, I, you know, I do think at first I, I saw those spots. I said, they're interesting spots. I wonder like how that helps progressive, you know, insurance uh, other than sometimes I think spots, sometimes they're just funny just Mm -hmm. for the, you know, positive view, but it does seem to be, they seem to be saying, Hey, don't worry. We're here for you. We're going to invite you into this world of home ownership and we're going to help you not turn into your parents. If you think (laughs) owning a home is going to turn you into your parents, (laughs) Uh, then we're here to help you because maybe they had, they've had friends that bought homes and all of a sudden they have to cut the grass and they have to do a bunch of stuff their parents did. And I don't uh-huh. want to do that. And, yeah. And they can't right? hang out anymore and play avoid... video games. Right. They, they've right. actually got right. an adult. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And so, but there's this sense of, we know this is a fear of mm-hmm. yours and we're here for you to alleviate that fear and make sure this doesn't come true. Right. The way you're um, the way you're saying that is like I can see where that'd be really appealing to the younger adult. <laughs> you know? 
it's probably a pretty popular brand. <laughs> it probably is, right? Insure home home insurance among younger home buyers. It's yeah, I'm um, thinking you're right. But of course, like all like all advertising, there's a bit of a lie there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We progressive insurance can't keep you from. There is right. no even Doctor Rick is fictional. No, you know. <laughs> No one that actually is going to help you not turn to your parents from progressive insurance. They're just right. going to sell you insurance. That's what they do. <laughs> um, but they do, they work because they name something that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't want to be my parents is something. Yeah. They appeal I to the fear. A lot of people think. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They appeal to the fear. Yes. Um, and so, um, do you think your parents didn't want to be their parents? Yes. Well, <laughs> depends on what parent you're talking about. But um, yeah, I can specifically remember my mom has always looked like her dad, acted like her dad, very strong like her dad and all of that. And she wasn't much like my grandmother as well. My grandmother was a lovely lady. She just was different than my mom. And um, mm-hmm. I just remember her. And now she looks exactly like her mom. <laughs> And she acts exactly mm. like her mom yeah. and the, and kind of the joke of our family is don't tell her, <laughs> you know, she yeah. has no idea, you know, and, yeah. um, because she, so she had be, no idea. She, no, she has no idea. And if we told her that we would <laughs> not eat or something, she would punish us. <laughs> I'm right. exaggerating, but <laughs> it would not be good. <laughs> So I, I think that, um, but on another note, you know, she really, she really respected her mom to some point, but, um, there were certain things that she didn't like about her. So we, like I said, we pick out more of the negative, you know, or Mm -hmm. what we remember affected us as kids that we don't want to be like, and, you know, we, uh, tend to hyper-focus on that, but, um, and I think, yeah, I think that's universal. I think it's generational. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is it happens. It happens. Yeah. It's like the DNA yeah. becomes more apparent or something. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously you're, you know, I think, well, I mean, you're being formed in an environment that is mm-hmm. formative to some degree. Right. Like you can't, uh, I think you said before, we want you know, egocentric. We want to be able to think we're sitting outside of it and analyzing it and saying, well, I won't do that. But we're not outside of it. You know, we are mm-hmm. experiencing it. We're, we can't analyze everything in real time. You just can't live that way. Um, and so in some degrees, it's inevitable. Um, and this is a cyclical thing. I mean, you know, Solomon and Ecclesiastes, you know, said, you know, he said this, I don't know, uh, 3,000 years ago, if not more than that, maybe four, it's money for, you know, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. New under the sun. And I have to tell you the first time I read that when I was young. Yeah. I was like, what? I did not understand it. I was like this, you know, I, I, I honestly did not understand it. And now, you know, in the article where you name that, you know, and I'm just like, oh yeah. He's spot on, right? Right. It's, and I think, yeah, you read it when you're young and you think, well, not me. That's not happening to right. me. Right. I'm not, you know, uh, this is how I'm going to be different. And, and so that's where there's this sense of we do have agency. We can steer it. We can make choices. We are responsible for choices. 
but there's a certain inescapability to this cyclical nature of, um, you know, I, all my life, you see somebody who's pretty elderly and you don't think one day I will be that person. I mean, that would be sort of probably a weird thing to consciously think. But right. the reality is that it's universal it, that but... unless I die tragically before then, I'm going to be, mm -hmm. I mean, everyone it's gonna is. going to happen. And, right. and so what version of that person do I want to be is a more helpful question that we typically don't, we don't ask. What version of my parents, what are the good points that uh, I want to think about and think about the sacrifices that they made and think about, the, you know, the issues mm -hmm. they had and to think about, you know, how maybe they didn't want to be like their parents, but were somehow formed, you know, I do, I'm a grandparent now. So I think grandparents are sort of looked at typically pretty generously by the grandkids because they don't experience, yes. right. Yes. Don't experience, you know, negative consequences typically from, from grandparents or so on. Right. But, you know, I think my dad, um, and this is sort of a, you know, not a ton of data. Uh, I think he, you know, he didn't, certainly didn't want to be like his mother. Uh, mm. And, you know, I think he admired and respected his father more. Um, I don't know if he wanted to be like his father, but he certainly, would, I think, would have been much more comfortable emulating, you know, this sort of self-reliant, mm -hmm. figure it out, let's get it done. Right. But he definitely turned into his mom. Yeah. You know, just, and again, you wouldn't have, I mean, and, and I, in a caricature of, and that's the thing, unless, unless you're sort of thinking about it and trying to understand that you kind of do turn into a caricature of the right. thing you don't want to be. Right. Right. But I think also um, you have to be intentional about, like you said, what version you want to turn into. I mean, if he wasn't intentional about not turning into the things that did not serve him well, yeah, you know, he could have pushed maybe against some of the things more, you know, but also I think as we grow older, at least for me, we can have some compassion towards our parents and some, you know, in their situations, which we n never could really do before mm -hmm. because we hadn't done the work or grown as human beings, you know, or mm -hmm. weren't parents yet or mm -hmm. what have you. And we can see where it's difficult, you know, yeah. being a parent and a homeowner and all of those things. And yeah. so, um, I think when you're younger, there's probably a little less compassion about the situations our parents were in. So we're harder on them maybe. Yeah. Um, sure. sure. Yeah. And as we get older, we say, oh, okay, that must've been difficult. You know, wasn't the best way to handle it, but that was still very difficult. Right. And I think that's, you know, I do think there's this universality and of, um, I like it, you know, like to hear your sort of, I guess, reflection on this or response to this universality of being a broken person, you know, having mm -hmm. brokenness, a fallen person in a fallen world and a, you know, everything's kind of touched by the fall. Uh, where it's sort of impossible to keep our fallenness from being inflicted on our children to some degree, mm -hmm. which again, you know, as someone with some theological training, that of course that's true. But then when you exp 
experience the, oh, I think this was disappointing for my, this particular child, uh, mm -hmm. this aspect of me or this whatever right. response from me was disappointing or seen as a failure. That's also surprising because, mm -hmm. because I'm a great parent, right? Right. We yeah. thought we weren't going to become our parents and, you know, maybe we haven't, but maybe we were worse or in some area or another, you know, but then you don't realize that at the time. And I can tell you that, um, people, um, moms especially come in and I don't know how many times in my office I've heard, um, Oh, I just, I don't want to ruin my kids. I don't want to ruin my kids. And I'm like, Oh, you're going to ruin your kids, but <laughs> that's just part of being a parent. You know, I mean, not really ruin your kids, but there's going to be, we're going to do some things that are right. not the best for our kids. It's inevitable. It is. But what do you do with that? You know, and I can remember, um, being a young parent, I did a lot of things wrong and I handled a lot of things, but now that I've worked hard on myself and I've gotten older and wiser and grayer and more wrinkles. I go to my kids and I'll say, you know, I'm really sorry. I handled this wrong, mm -hmm. you know, and hopefully they'll learn from that and they will see the brokenness of me and do the same thing for their kids down the road. You know, um, it's just realizing that we all are broken and that, mm -hmm. Well, I think that's the thing that keeps you from one of the, I mean, one of the things that keeps you from having a more honest or humble stance is just, I don't want to think I was a person who inflicted any harm on my kids. Therefore, I won't admit it yeah. and I will rationalize it or whatever. And right? that's more harmful. It's yeah. more harmful. They need, you know, because they need to see us as human beings, mm -hmm. you know, because we are. You know, and we're not going to do everything right. And mm -hmm. our parents didn't do everything right. And they're not going to do everything right as parents. Well, that's one of the things that I think is an interesting, because you, th I mean, again, everyone, you go through it and now I can look back and thinking, well, I, I'm not going to do this or that. And then you end up doing some of those things. And at the time you think, well, it's easy to avoid, you know, it's easy to avoid these mistakes. Uh, and yet some of, like I said, some of them are universal. And now looking back, you can say to your kids, okay, well, kind of be careful about, yeah, I mean, you're, you are going, you are inflicting, you are, it's, it's, it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. So the question is what kind of stance do you want to have toward that? And right. how can that help you be gracious towards everyone? Because nobody's getting it totally right, including you. Yeah. And so can we be gracious to one another uh, in this sense of common, we're part of this common story. We're all going mm -hmm. through this together to some degree. And then we can yes. have grace and compassion for one another because I recognize my part in the story. I can see your part in the story rather than you're an individual making bad choices and I'm an individual and I'm not making those bad choices. That's easy to judge yeah. between instead of having compassion and, and generosity for. And that's where mm -hmm. I do this egocentric sort of, I'm, it's about me. I'm making better choices than you are. I'm better. I'm a success. You're a failure. Instead of, there's this common story that we're all part of, that part of what mm -hmm. I see inflict, uh, affecting you is also affecting me. 
And right. I can therefore recognize that and we can help one another. I don't know if that's just not an American thing or that's just, but that seems pretty foreign to most of us, I think. I know. Yeah, unfortunately. And I think culture feeds into that as well, you know, and we are all affected by, you know, the expectations of culture and to admit weakness, you know, and fault is um, not looked upon, you know, highly, (laughs) I guess. I mean, we have to, you know, it's strength in our culture is so important and um, that totally goes against the whole vulnerability. We're Mm. all human and, you know, and all of that. And Mm. I think that's where we need to be, you know, to recognize that we need something bigger than ourselves Yeah. to, um, for this to be a better way, you know? Yeah. I think that's pass on. Yeah. Go ahead. That's, I mean, as Solomon said, like part of what's happening again is, you know, my parents inflicted brokenness on me. I'm going to inflict. There's nothing new under the sun. So, you know, part of the question is, do I recognize that? And how am I going to be handling that? How am I going to be gracious towards Mm -hmm. the faults of my children? Uh, How am I going to be gracious for other people? Instead of that, we often kind of want to live in this fiction that that's not really happening. And then, it, mm-hmm. and then any admission of fault is some sort of shameful almost. Even right. if someone else, if you're sitting in a small group and somebody else admits something, you're glad they did and you want to be there for them. But there's a bit of a sort of embarrassment when in fact what they're, what they're admitting is universal. And, right. Right. We, yeah. I am not disconnected. Exactly right. from, I'm not disconnected from it. Not but I want to think I am. Right. right. Right, uh, but we're not. Yeah, it's almost like we can't always handle to think that that's us. Yes, right. Right? Yeah, and, and I think part, you know, partly you kind know. of final point is that it's easy to say to someone else, um, if you're coming from a Christian perspective, well, there's redemption for that. There's grace and movement for that. Mm-hmm. You know, that like God wants to be active in your process of transformation that he has for you and the process of transformation he has for your kids. And he can use this for redemptive purposes. Um, but that, and I can even in the abstract admit, I need that, but to see this mm-hmm. as part of my redemptive, I don't look at it that way right. usually. Right, right. Right. And, and that's the key is to see we, you know, we need that just as badly as the person next to us in the small group, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that that my uh, my and weaknesses. our parents needed it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it's that's that's universal, and that we all need redemption. Nobody's yeah. getting it totally right, and and you know my view into your need of redemption should remind me and encourage me of my need of redemption. Uh, that's just you know, and I think that's uh, you know that's true in a hundred different. Uh, cases and scenarios, but certainly uh, in this one, uh, it's something that's it's so sort of primal that you know, as a seven-year-old, we're saying, "I'll never do that" or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Right? It's so we ingrain it in ourselves, so it's like it is the worst sort of thing that we could, worst betrayal of, of ourselves that we can do is to right. repeat some bad trait of our parent, right? But in reality, the best thing we can do for our kids 
is to pass down the reality of the need for redemption. Yeah, that's right. You know, all of us. All, right. that's all right. of us. Yep. And 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 our grasp of our need of redemption and that reality and grace and compassion for others who need redemption mm-hmm. uh, is what we know. Hopefully that can be something that, that we begin to model more and more. Uh, so that's a great way to end it. Thank you, Susan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mike. And uh, yeah, until next time, uh, just don't turn into your parents. Just kidding. Uh, grace and <laughs> peace, everyone. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to On Culture, a podcast of the Embassy newsletter. Have a question? Send it to theembassy at substack.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.